This week, we have another full slate of games to look forward to. Luckily for us, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered with so many different ways to get in on the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. Plus, they have new odds, boosts, and promotions on your favorite sports every day. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from wherever, whenever, you don't even have to leave your house. And for those where sports betting is not yet available, head to the DraftKings app and check out all of their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SI when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code SI to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Yo, what's up? Welcome inside the SI Gambling Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Corey Parson, the fantasy executive here. No Ben. No Frankie today. Well, no Ben Heisler. No Frankie Fatstacks. They got the day off. It's football. Well, it's, it's no football today. <clears throat> but uh, Heisler does have a Masters uh, gambling and DFS coming out. So be on the lookout for that. That should be out there today. But I'm joined by my guy, SI, Ben Pickman, to talk a little NBA draft. What's going on with you, Ben? I'm doing well, Corey. How are you doing? Ready for NBA draft, free agency? It's all starting soon, and it's coming real fast. Yeah, no doubt. And it should be a lot of fun this year. Now, with no NCAA tournament, it's kind of like, you know, I think it kind of took some of the luster away from the draft, and not to mention, obviously, we don't have, you know, nowhere. Well, we we may have one big star. Then we got plenty of good players. We don't have no big star personalities that we know of yet. Obviously, we saw Zion explode at Duke, John Morant, you know, mid-major route, the big-time slam dunks and stuff like that. And that was and his playing in the NCAA tournament last year, you know, it kind of gave us some college stars to look forward to. This year, that may not be so much be the case, but Ben, the one guy that we all know and been, been talking about because it's his pops and his brother obviously plays in the NBA, he went overseas and did his thing as LaMelo Ball. I remember last year at this time, I was telling somebody that LaMelo Ball's going to be number one pick in the draft. And they thought I was crazy. They was like, he wouldn't even be a lottery pick. And I'm like, you're sleeping on this kid. He's a very good player. You're not paying attention because you're playing international and, you know, his pops in the crazy leagues and stuff like that. But I would say that we do have one big personality guy in LaMelo, correct? Oh, absolutely. And and actually, I spoke to his pops, LaVar Ball, uh, in the lead up to this draft. I talked to him a few times, actually. Um, and not surprisingly, Corey, you won't be shocked to hear this. When you ask LeVar Ball who he thinks should be the number one pick in the draft, he, of course, says his son, says he's the most skilled player, the most popular player. Uh, no surprise that uh, in the Ball family, they think uh, LaMelo is a lock to go first overall. So now this is interesting, right? Because you go through the year, obviously pandemic P, whatever. You get inside the bubble, no NCAA tournament. So, you know, not a lot of talk about the draft and stuff like that. but there are people that know more or less everybody is kind of in the space and kind of pays attention to it. It's kind of like, well, LaMelo ball is going to be the first pick of the draft. So what I found interesting is the other day 
when I started looking at draft props, Anthony Edwards was a minus 252 favorite. I was like, wow, Anthony Edwards really shot up. I sent you that email this morning. Anthony Edwards was a 215 favorite. How about this, Ben? As of right now, Anthony Edwards' number has dropped to minus 152. So he went from being a huge favorite to kind of losing that grip. And now we're starting to see a charge and push towards LaMelo Ball actually being the betting favorite to be the first pick of the draft. Now, do you think that's the popularity of Ball driving those numbers? Or do you think the Timberwolves really are looking at Ball as the potential number one overall pick? I think it definitely could be both. And I think Minnesota could also be looking at LaMelo Ball. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see if other teams, say the Charlotte Hornets, or if there was another team lower down in the lottery that was looking for, you know, a highly, highly skilled player and also a kind of franchise centerpiece, a franchise star. I wouldn't be shocked if they were looking at LaMelo Ball. And so I think, you know, that change in the betting number really speaks to the fluidity at the top of the draft that there really isn't this clear-cut Zion Williamson, right? There isn't a clear-cut number one pick that should go first overall next week, right? And so there are a couple different players. They both have different strengths, right? They both have some weaknesses. Um, And I think a lot of teams are in this kind of weird place where they don't know if they want to contend. They don't know if they need like another guard, for instance, or if they want to look to more of a big. And so I think there's a lot of uncertainty for those reasons. When you look at the Timberwolves roster, right, obviously they they get D'Angelo Russell, Cat Williams, I mean, Cat Williams, my goodness, Carl Anthony Towns, Cat, you know what I'm saying? They still have a semblance of youth around that team, even with their head coach. So you bring in another young player, and I don't think it makes them any that much better. I think Edwards would probably be better for the roster. What do you think? Oh, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. I mean, I think if your core three is Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and LaMelo Ball, I think you'll put up a lot of points. I think you'll be pretty exciting. You might even make a slam cover. You know, I think there's definitely some marketing appeal <laughs> there. Um, but will you win a lot of games? Like, do you think that's a championship core of Towns, Russell, and Ball? I frankly do not. Um, which is not to say that, like, Anthony Edwards is necessarily going to make the Timberwolves, you know, a top four team in the in the West or a potential title contender. But I do th- see him filling a void and specifically on the defensive end, right? And I think that's one of the the places that different where you can differentiate the two prospects, right? Where Edwards is a little more explosive and he has a little more physical tools defensively. And I think he probably is a more both immediate and long-term impact defender than LaMelo Ball. And while LaMelo is 6'7", and so he has really good size, I think defensively, that's one of the big questions is what is he bringing to you on that end? And so you pair Ball and Russell, and, and I, that's not exactly a formidable defensive backcourt that I think is going to scare any teams. Say the Warriors, for instance, they're not going to be scared of uh, of the Timberwolves backcourt. No, no, no. It, it, it's no, like you said, it's a lot of running up and down the court. And that's what it'll be. It'll be a lot of wild threes. Now, listen, Cat was actually having a hell of a season last year until he, until he got beat up and he got hurt. You know, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is dating Jordan Woods now. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, it's good for him. Um, I was on his Instagram. I mean, I, well, I was on her Instagram. And I was like, oh, that's Carl Anthony Towns. Interesting. Anyway, neither here nor there. So we get the Timberwolves out the way, and then we have the very interesting second pick of the draft that belongs to the Golden State Warriors, who are clearly in win-now mode, trying to get back to the dynasty level. What I found interesting about the odds were they had LaMelo Ball more or less slated to go with the second pick in the draft. But everything that I'm hearing is saying that the Golden State Warriors 
obviously they want to trade down or get out the pick altogether and make something, you know, and get a piece that's for a team that's ready to go right now. But if they do keep the pick, I would think it'd be more Wiseman that fits them better than Ball does. Without a doubt. And I think there's been a lot of chatter publicly. And, you know, this is smokescreen season. A lot of teams kind of sending out messages. And you see a lot of different reports about this team likes this player, this team likes that player. Um, but it just seems like from a basketball perspective that Wiseman would fit the best with the Warriors roster come next year, right? At worst, at worst, he is a rim running center, right? Who can be a defensive presence. Um, he's incredibly mobile. He can rim run. He'll grab rebounds for you. Maybe he'll play in some pick and roll. He certainly has that size and, and teams really are attracted to that. So at worst, I think, you know, he is a better version of the, what the Warriors had in JaVale McGee, say when they had him, right? Or he can play that Andrew Bogut role if you want to go back a couple years. But, of course, he's the number two pick potentially. And so if you look at Wiseman at number two, you think maybe can he stretch the floor and shoot it a little bit, right? And that's one of the big questions. Um, you know, our own Chris Mannix, he recently had a profile on James Wiseman. And he talked to Penny Hardaway, who was briefly Wiseman's coach at Memphis and, and had some uh, coaching history in the past. And he, Penny said that he'd actually worked with James on his mechanics, his shooting mechanics. And so if Wiseman is able to stretch the floor, then suddenly he goes from just a rim-running center to a real potential franchise centerpiece. And so you look to kind of create this bridge for the Warriors. Um, I did notice though, Corey, and not to go back to the number one pick, but you kind of omitted Wiseman going number one. And I think there is still a chance that Wiseman goes number one. You know, if you think if you're another team that the Warriors are going to no doubt take Wiseman at number two, then why wouldn't you try and trade, say if you're Charlotte um, and try to jump the Warriors, move up a little bit. You probably wouldn't have to give that much up in the draft. If you're Charlotte, um, and you could still get James Wiseman, who's really a difference maker potentially on, on both ends of the floor. Now, that's interesting right there. When you look at the odds on the DraftKings Sportsbook, right, the numbers after those first two, the odds drop way off. So even with the bump that that um that we saw LaMelo get today, it also gave a bump to, to James Wiseman. He went from plus 750 to plus 550. So that's interesting right there. But you know, he's in that you so you think that he is in that outside shot conversation for number one overall pick. Yeah, and I think that's you know, I think there's some really good value there, frankly. I mean, I think yeah, I think he, so too. I think he definitely has a a very good chance of going number one, especially if a team is scared off, say, by the Warriors. If if they think um if a team thinks that Golden State is no doubt gonna draft James Wiseman at number two, then if you're, you know, say we'll use Charlotte again as an example because they're picking third and, and potentially have a a void or a need at the center position or at the, you know, forward center position. If you're Charlotte, why wouldn't you try and leapfrog golden state and trade up to number one? You would then get your guy. You probably wouldn't have to give up a lot. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of trade rumors where say miles bridges is just the guy that it might take to move up from three to one. If you're the Hornets, um, why wouldn't you do that? You know? And so I think Wiseman certainly is still in play for the first overall pick. I, I would you say know. one. Other, yeah. And, and I would say, you know, college freshman, They've been selected number one overall each of the last 10 years. And so you think Wiseman Edwards, if history serves you right. But who knows, you know. No, that, that, that makes sense right there. Mikael Bridges had one of the best dunks of the year last season. It was it was an in-game dunk and nobody really talked about because a lot of people don't watch, you know, every game on League Pass like I did. But, um, nah, he's a good ball player. But, okay, so let's just say, right, what's the, what's the deal with Denny Ajiva? Because... I'm hearing a lot of reports that the Warriors that the Warriors like him. Now he's he, he's a long shot to go with the top pick in, in the draft, but when you look at some um, drafted by position, he's not even in that in that in that in that top uh, role 
that in that on that top line for any of these. So what is he more of a top five guy? Do you see the Warriors taking him at two? When you when you because you've been out there to scout him and, and you've seen him play. Listen, the comparisons to Luka Doncic, let's be realistic. It's just because they're both international players, but he does not have the kind of explosiveness near the rim. He can't stroke it. He doesn't have the game that Luka has, but he's a very good ball player, if I'm not mistaken. Without a doubt. And I'll first say uh, your pronunciation was only a little bit off. It's actually just Avdia. Um, Avdia. I, I, thought I, I thought I had nailed it. That's okay. We'll give you the pass on this one. But yeah, so Denny is a, is a really interesting prospect. You know, back in Israel, and, and I spent some time with him last fall or, or last winter, Um you know, in Israel, he's really viewed as a superstar. And everywhere he goes, it seems like people just want to take pictures with him. He's incredibly likable. He's incredibly accessible. Um, Omri Caspi, who, of course, was a former NBA player and also hails from Israel, he described him to me as as Denny. He said, Denny's like Jesus over here. You know, people would just flock to him all the all the time. Um, Denny has really good instincts for someone who's just 19 years old. And, and he's played, you know, he, he is pretty experienced, relatively speaking. He's coming off in Israeli league. MVP, which is okay. You know, the Israeli league competition is mixed. But towards the end of last year's EuroLeague season, he was really starting to come into his own. Um, he's played with a lot of NBA players or, or top-level NBA talent, right? Last year alone, Omri Caspi, Scotty Wilbekin, Nate Walters, Amari Stoudemire is on that team, Quincy AC, right? I could keep going. There were a number of kind of NBA quality or high-level college guys who were playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv last season, and they all spoke really fondly of Denny. Um, some of his assistant coach, one of his assistants was a, a former G League coach that said, you know, he's smart enough and talented enough defensively, which is one of the kind of appealing parts that Denny is a is a versatile defender. And he actually provided Maccabi Tel Aviv with a bunch of rim protection last year, which is pretty rare for someone um, who's that young. You know, he's 6'9", moves very well, can play in the pick and roll, can handle. Shooting is the really is the concern with him. Right. And you can see through his workout videos and he's posted a lot of videos leading into the draft of him in the gym. Um, you can see he spent a lot of time working on shooting. Um, but as one scout told me, he's obviously one of the players um, that the NBA is trending to. Do I think he's going to go number one? No, I do not. Um, Golden State is a good fit for him. And I think more likely than not, though, he's a top five pick, not a top two pick, though. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you on that. Uh, I think it's interesting when you look at some of these props on player draft position, LaMelo Ball to go you know, after the second pick, you're getting plus money on that at 110. Um, I think that might, I, I think that could be the move because I, I don't think LaMelo slides in till, 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 till three. And then you look at Wiseman um, under two and a half. That's also plus 110. You get plus odds on that. Um, You know, um, Obi Toppin, though, as a top five pick, the over is where the minus money is. The under is where the plus money is. So I think people are sliding in Obi as pick number four in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I think four is an interesting spot. And I'll first say I like Wiseman, actually. I would take him. I think he goes one or two. Um, I okay. Think, I just think because there's a scarcity of centers, um, I think he would probably go one or two. But Toppin, you know, Toppin's an interesting one, right? Because he's the most proven um, player at least collegiately right he won the national player of the year last year he won pretty much every award he's a very good finisher averaging 20 and, and seven and a half rebounds last year um, but again age is kind of a question fit is kind of a question right what position does he play and I do think right Edwards Ball and Wiseman it seems like they're definitely locks to go in the top five if not the top four um, 
you know, and, and frankly, top three. Then I think really the questions start, and that's where this draft gets even more interesting. Is it Denny Abdia? Is it Isaac Okoro? Is it um, Halberton from Iowa State, right? There's a number of guys, and so I think, you know, OB being a little bit older, um, not knowing how the fit kind of plays in, that plus money going under um, after the fifth pick, I think is could be some good value there too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, under being under being before the fifth pick. Ah, uh, yeah. So you think yeah. he can hit? You think he can hit four? Mm, I, I, I'm not as so. I mean, I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, I think the you know the betting markets right. You saying you're saying they have minus value, um, to go after. No, I'm sorry. The betting market right now for Obi to so, but the betting market has Obi outside of the top four. They more or less have him sl- sl- sliding in at five. You know that seems right, but I do think there is a chance. You know, he's in that kind of next tier. Um, I would say the four through nine ish tier. There's a number of players that could go number four, and so I don't think it's crazy if you really, really feel confident in Obi Toppin. It's not a crazy move to think he'll go number four. Yeah, um, I think yeah. I, he, listen, he's the name that, that that that's popped up a lot. Um, the Halliburton is also a very interesting prospect. Um, seeing a lot of people, you know how it's always that draft day riser, or as you get closer, a certain guy starts to push up the board. And Halliburton is a player that I think really miss getting that NCAA tournament bump. Yeah, you know, you're right about that. And he's someone who's really seen his stock increase. You know, in 2018-19, his first season at Iowa State, he averaged just seven points and, and three assists, three three and a half rebounds per game, shooting 51% from the field. You know, but that seven points, not that impressive. He more than doubled his scoring output last year, um, averaging more than 15 points a game, you know, six and a half assists, six rebounds. So he really saw a jump in production. Um, he, he also sustained a season-ending injury uh, February 8th. He, you know, he broke his wrist against Kansas State. And so that really limited him. But he's seen him, his stock really rise throughout this draft process. He's far and away the best player coming out of in the Big 12 in this draft. Um, and he's really showed some flashes, especially down the stretch. You know, great size, really good vision. He's a good athlete and a really good shooter, at least when his feet are set. So I think there's definitely some appeal to, to Halliburton going, you know, top five, top six. Now, it's interesting. Because right now, the eighth pick in the draft belongs to the New York Knicks. And on the FanDuel Sportsbook, you can bet on who the Knicks will more or less select with this eighth pick. Or even if they trade out the pick, more or less the, 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 the prop bet, uh, Ben, is player to be selected with the eighth overall pick in the draft. The, the favorite right now is Halliburton. But I'm starting to think Halliburton's not going to be there at eight. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right on that. There's a lot, seems to be a lot of buzz around him. Um, and it does seem, you know, the Knicks seem like they're in this weird position because it seems like if you're the Knicks, that you're almost getting someone's leftovers, right? Yep. You're getting Tyrese Halliburton if he slides. You're getting Isaac Okoro if he slides. Denny Avdia if he slides. Um, Obi Toppin if he slides. You know, it seems like there are a lot of guys that the Knicks could get. Um, it seems like locking in someone on the Knicks is a, potentially a very risky and, and losing proposition. I wouldn't say that Halliburton is a lock to the Knicks by any means. I wouldn't say anyone is a lock to the Knicks um, by any means. I just think more it's going to be who is left on the board and the Knicks are just going to take the best wing available. Yeah, and 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 that's what that, that I, I agree with you on that because, you know, when you look at that eighth pick, right, you have Killian Hayes at plus 350, Okoro at plus 550, then you get Precious at all plus 800. So, I think if you wanted to play that market right there, I would take the long shot on that one. Yeah, yeah, that seems to make sense to me. Because I, I just think that's the way to go on, on that one right there. They also have, you know, some other 
prop bets on the DraftKings Sportsbook for some of these picks a little bit deeper on. But here's an interesting one right here. The freshmen going in the top 10. So right now, the odds are on the DraftKings Sportsbook, Ben, are you have four and a half is the number. So five freshmen going in top 10, you can get that at two to one for four to go under four. That comes into the, the minus money at minus 250. So the book is telling you they think it's only going to be four freshmen drafted. Now, when you look at it from, you know, a what's out there point of view, obviously you got to take the international players and then we'll get to that next. You got Anthony Edwards, who's a freshman, correct? You got James Wiseman, who's also a freshman. Would have liked to see James Wiseman play some more. Uh, you have Obi Toppin, who's a sophomore. You got Halliburton, who's a sophomore, right? Yep. And then you have the freshman Okoru, then the freshman from USC. I can't pronounce, pronounce his name. Can you can you grab that Ong-woo. one? Ongwoo. And then some mock drafts have Precious going to the Phoenix Suns with the 10th pick in the draft. That would give you five freshmen. Is that realistic? Or do you think um that that those are not are those will somebody slide outside of that? Or can somebody slide up into that? Um, like a guy like Patrick Willis from Patrick Williams from Florida State. So I think you're thinking about it the right way, no matter what, right? I think you have five players who are non-freshmen that will go in the top ten, guaranteed, right? I think that's Denny. Um, I think Killian Hayes will go in the top 10. I think Halliburton will go in the top 10. Obi Toppin and LaMelo Ball. So that's five right off the bat, right? Then I think you have Wiseman and Anthony Edwards, their locks to go in the top 10. And so now it's kind of a question, as you're saying, the process of elimination. And you mentioned some of the key components. I think a lot of people see Akongwu as being like a Bam out of bio type. He's a very good finisher around the rim. And so I think he's someone who people are very high on. So he could be. Isaac Okoro, another freshman. Tyrese Maxey, another possibility, right? Um, coming from Kentucky, Patrick Williams, you mentioned him, another possible Frenchman. And so there are a bunch of freshman candidates, and you mentioned Precious as well. But I think you have Kyra Lewis, who is a guard from Alabama, Devin Vassell from Florida State. You do have some upperclassmen, or rather non-freshmen, who I think could go uh, in and sneak into the top 10. And you never know. I mean, I think this is what makes the NBA draft in particular so tricky, is you see teams kind of make these reaches that you wouldn't normally protect. Think about Cam Johnson, right? an upperclassman mm-hmm. coming out of North Carolina last year. Phoenix takes him in the late lottery. No one's really projecting Cam Johnson there. And on the surface, it didn't make a lot of sense. But Phoenix said, maybe we're a little bit better than we are. We think Johnson will come in and, and provide immediate three-point shooting and, and be a boost off the bench right away. And, and we might need that. And so, you know, I kind of like the um, I kind of like the under four and a half. Yeah. Um, frankly, I think that's the more realistic play. Um, two to one, it's not great, great odds. Um, if it was better odds, maybe you'd take the over. There are a number of freshmen in play, but I think, you know, you get to 9 and 10, you just never know what's going to happen. NBA draft, definitely. You, like you said, that Cam Johnson pick came to mind uh, immediately when I saw that prop. Uh, international players in the top 10. So you get over, the number is set at 3.5. If you get four international players in the top 10, that pays out 3 to 1. I, I don't see it. I, I mean, mean, excuse me, four to one. I, I, you don't I, see it. I still don't see it. I mean, I, I don't see. We just rattled off all the freshmen that are yep. potentially going in the lottery. We named some of the sophomores. I think, you know, I think Denny Avdio will go in the top 10, as I said. And I think Killian Hayes will go in the top 10. Um, I don't really see other freshmen, uh, other international players, rather, 
that will go in the top 10. I guess you have LaMelo Ball, right? We're including him. So that's three. Yeah, I would say he's international um, he's player. International. Um, so that's three. But I don't see RJ Hampton being in there. You know, Alexi Puk- uh, Pukovchevsky, excuse me on that one. Theo- Theo Maladon, Leandro Bolmaro. You know, those are some of the other international players floated. Hampton was probably the next guy you look at and say maybe he sneaks into the top 10. But with all the college players we named, I don't see a fourth international going in the top 10. Um, so I yeah, think, I think that that's a tough one to get to right there. I think they have that one priced appropriately. It would definitely have to be some moving and shaking, which you can be in the NBA draft to, 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 to kind of get to that point right there. Um, but I think that we did find some interesting stuff. I think, I think the James Wiseman at 5-1 to one, at plus 550 to go with the first pick of the draft, I think that might be worth a sprinkle. Yeah, no, I do as well. I think, you know, I think it's certainly in play. Um, and I think if a team really likes Wiseman, you know, again, there aren't that many star center prospects or, or really bigs in this draft, right? We mentioned a Kongru. He's a really good finisher around the rim. You mentioned Precious um, from Memphis. You know, he's another big that people are, are really high on. Um, but there's a lot more kind of wings, three, four tweener types who you think maybe could stretch the floor, the Denny Avdias, the Isaac Okoros. Um, of the world than there are actual true centers. And so if a team is really high on Wiseman and they think, you know, the Warriors might take him at number two, it seems like a, a place to to jump in front of Golden State. And frankly, and we didn't really flesh this one out, um, Golden State, obviously another prime candidate, true trade back. You know, if they're yep. able to get a big haul for number two and pick up, you know, some high quality role players, you think Golden State, they want to contend next year, obviously with Stephen Clay, Draymond coming back, Andrew Wiggins, who theoretically is going to be, in the fold as well. Um, they don't really need the guard, you know, the scoring guard off the bench. They actually took Jordan Poole for Michigan last year. So Golden State, an obvious candidate to try and trade back. So it seems like um, if a team is really high on Wiseman, that's another potential Wiseman spot if the Warriors even don't take him at number two. So I, I like Wiseman at number one um, with a little sprinkle, definitely. Uh, I'll let right quick, some of these uh, conference stuff, the Big Ten over uh, one and a half players selected. Well, this one is one I think you're going to have to sweat out no matter what. Um, A lot of people think Jalen Smith, he's a big, um, fluid, good touch around the rim. He's probably going to be your first Big Ten player. He went to Maryland off the board. Then I think it gets really interesting, right? There's no kind of clear-cut number two. Um, You know, Cassius Winston from Michigan State is the kind of player that late lottery teams often select, you know, a veteran experienced guard. You kind of know what you're getting from Michigan State, from Tom Izzo's system, um, can come in and get you some buckets. Um, you have Daniel Arturo from, from Minnesota, Xavier Tillman, another potential option. So I think, and you're getting plus odds on this, right? Yes, you're getting plus odds on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably two um, Big Ten players that will go in the first round. You're going to have to sweat it out, though. I don't think that's going to be an easy one. No, that's not that. That's not not by any stretch of the imagination. And when you and just 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 looking through some of the mock drafts, on um, my you really it's hard to figure where that player is going to come from. But like you said, I do like a Cassius Winston or something like that towards that back end. You do tend to see those uh, those teams that are set or uh, invest in players like that. We, that that's team that been a trend. Uh, uh, the big the Big Twelve. The number is two and a half. Again. You know Halliburton's a lock, right? So now you just need two more players. And from there, I don't really see it. I think Desmond Bain um, out of TCU, he's a guard out of uh, TCU. I think he's another potential Big 12 player. But frankly, you know, kind of gray. And and because you kind of need 
two players, obviously, um, from the Big 12, two more in addition to Halliburton to have that hit. Um, I think that's probably under two and a half. What about um Ramsey? Yeah, I mean, he he's another one, right? I think he's kind of the third um, Big 12 player name, you know, from Texas Tech um, that a lot of players, that a, a lot of people think might go into the first round. Um, but I think, you know, I think he's probably as borderline as you can get. And I think there are a number of borderline players. And so because you need two of them, right, you need both Bain and Ramsey um, to well, go you, into the first round. I don't yep. think that's a lock um, at all. I would probably say and, that's, and then that's Tillman, Tillman and, and, and Winston would be the ones that 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 would all round that out. Oh, the big the Pac-12 has a big number and it's, it's interesting on both sides. It's set at five and a half. Right. But the juice is on the over. I mean, the juice is to the under at 118, but the over is one eight is 103, which is just about even money. So we're trying to get six players out the Pac-12. Good year for the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be the best year up top. You know, I don't think mm-hmm. um, you're going to see a lot of Pac-12 players going early. I think Okongwu from USC is kind of going to be your first uh, Pac-12 player off the board. Tyrell Terry from Stanford, another name to watch. Um, you know, he's getting a lot of late buzz. He's put on a lot of weight. Um, from all reports throughout the draft process. And he's really skyrocketed, it seems like, uh, a number of boards. And so he's probably another name. And then you kind of get into this interesting period between, say, 18 and towards the end of the first round, where there's a number of players from the Pac-12 that people have kind of floated as potential first-round picks, right? Jaden McDaniels, Josh Green from Arizona, Isaiah Stewart from Washington, Tyler Bay, Nico Mannion, um, Zeke Naji. There's a number of guys, you could say, from the Pac-12 that go in you know, the 20 to 30 range. Um, I do kind of like the over. I just think there's a lot of potential. um, There's a lot of potential players who could round out that top five. And so, you know, you're going to get, I think, at least two or three in a Kongru, Terry and McDaniels. And then it's just a matter of filling them. And I do think there are players there to fill those spots. And probably one of the most, uh, one of the, another one that's very tough right now, uh, five and a half for the Southeastern Conference. The SEC comes in with five and a half. The juice is to the under, but only at minus 114. So about even on this one too, Ben. Yeah, I, I like the under on this one. You know, I don't I don't really see a, a path, a clear path for it to go over, right? You have Anthony Edwards. He's obviously number one on that one. He's going to go from the SEC. Tyrese Maxey going to go. Isaac Okoro going to go. We mentioned Kyra Lewis from Alabama and Nesmith from uh, Vanderbilt. That seems like your five. Where's the sixth name coming from? You know, one potential name to watch is Emmanuel Quickly um, from Kentucky. But again, you know, he seems like he's much more of a second round pick. Um, And so because it's even odds, you know, I don't see that one as much. I think it's a high number and there aren't really a lot of other SEC options. So, no, uh, you got um, Isaiah Joe and guys like that. But those are definitely um, feel like more of a second round type play that under minus 114. I think that's a good one right there. Uh, so that was good stuff, Ben. Thanks a lot. Uh, we got the NBA draft coming up about eight days from now. So that's the middle of next week. And then, um, you know, listen, it's going to be fun. We got to rejoin this and touch this up again next week as we get closer to the draft day, Ben, and see how these numbers have changed. Uh, absolutely. Happy to do it. And I will say, and because I think we, we sprinkled it, I think you threw out the uh, – you forgot the ACC number, Corey. Uh, that would be five and a half also, I believe, and I would take the under there for what it's worth as well. Well, I think that, that 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 juice that juice was big to the under in that one. I mean, if you want to make a listen, here's the thing: like I don't like to lay big wood, right? When it comes to a game, like I'm never going to lay. You know, I'm never going to lay. You know, I'm not even going. I'm not even going to lay 
I'm not I'm not laying no more than minus 200 on any single game. But on something like draft props, I'd be more apt to lay that big wood, you know, to, just to make that extra $100. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. So the ACC under five and a half is minus 835. Wow. Can you imagine laying $835 and that six player sneaking? <laughs> would not be a fun <laughs> draft night. It would not be a fun <laughs> draft night. <laughs> no, it would not. It definitely would not be a fun draft night. So, um, I, but still, um, it, you know, listen, you can lay half of that if you want to make the $50 off it, but I don't think it's worth it right there. But now I definitely want to see how these numbers move and shake. Like we seen, we just, just by talking about it this from the time in, this morning till about four hours later, we saw some big, uh, I think that, I think that is LaMelo Ball. That could be driving that, but it could be some inside information also as well. So um, maybe staying off of Anthony Edwards at that, as that number is a good thing. And I do like that Wiseman currently right now sitting at plus 550. Interesting to see where that's at next week. So you might want to hop on that number right now. All right, so for my guy Ben Pickman, it's Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. Don't forget Vegas Whispers, SI Fantasy Pro. All of that is going down. Once again, red hot for the NFL. All right, Ben, good looking out, my man. We out.